So in verse 18, the Bible says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning, if that, ye, uh, if that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous... You know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So as the weeks have gone on here and as we're approaching this time of revival, I've been preaching to you some various messages. And the messages that I've been bringing, first of all, that we need to be true worshipers of God. And so the Bible teaches us that in John chapter 4 and verses 21 through 24 to be worshiping in spirit and in truth. And a few Sundays ago, we saw how the Lord wants us to live in the spirit that we are given at salvation, and then we're challenged to be spiritually minded. The Bible teaches us that we need to be spiritually minded people, according to Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. The Bible teaches us that the carnal mind cannot understand the things of God. But those of you that are saved and have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit... God says you have an ability to discern truth and lies. And he taught us that we need to have that spiritual discernment as believers. And if you're saved, then you'll want to be living according to truth and being led of the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that those that are saved, believers, folks that know Jesus Christ as their Savior, will have a desire to influence others for Jesus Christ. They'll have a desire in their heart to do so. And of course, when we look at uh, 1 Timothy Chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, the Bible clearly teaches us that as saved people, we would have a desire to influence others for Jesus Christ. And so how do we want to influence them? Well, we want to spiritually impact others with the gospel. We want to spiritually impact others with truth. And in Mark chapter uh, 2, verses 13 through 17, I preached a message to you called spiritually impacting others. So what does that take? Well, I do believe it causes us to move outside of our comfort zone if we're going to talk to people about Jesus. How many of you agree this morning? You're going to talk about Jesus, it's going to move you outside your comfort zone. Because the world does not know Christ, and nor do they want to, or nor have they ever really wanted to. And we see the same dilemma in the apostles' days that we see in our day. And there are folks that God has saved and given you the Holy Spirit. And by the way, if you're saved, you receive that gift. And by having received the gift of the Holy Spirit, 
God desires for us to spiritually impact others for Jesus Christ. He has that desire for us to accomplish that for His will and for His glory. So it causes you to move outside your comfort zone. It'll cause you to go out into our community. And believe me, there's a lack of truth out there. And folks need salvation. And salvation is where understanding of truth comes from. It starts with Jesus Christ. And so they must know Him. And as I looked at this, I thought about how we have to show care to people. You have to show that you care about them. I, I want you to know it's been three and a half years that I've been trying to witness to these two ladies at the marathon, and it just happened the other day. It takes time to share truth with people. You're trying to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we have to do is we have to show people that we actually care about them. If you look at Jesus, he would generally show the people that he cared. He would talk to them about meeting their needs. And in fact, Jesus would meet their needs at times, both physically and spiritually. He would do that and he would meet that need. And Jesus would help them with where they were. But the goal with Christ was to move them from where they were into a personal relationship with him. And so that's what Christ would do. And so as we look at this, showing that we care, going beyond these walls, showing interest in them personally and spiritually, we receive that gift, that gift, that eternal life, that salvation. We receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you are saved, you can understand the things of God. You have an ability to pick up the Scriptures. You have an ability to read them and understand them. And, and you say, well... I don't care for the King James Bible uh, because I don't like the these, those, thous, and that's, or I don't like the ye's and you. And I want to share something with you. People pay thousands of dollars to go watch Shakespeare plays to hear that kind of language used. That's the first thing. Number two, those words have specific meaning. If you do any kind of study and you look at all these new translations that are out there, many of them remove verses from the Bible. And so I stick to the King James because it is the best and closest that we have to the original autograph. And you can go read those other documents and you can go read those other scriptures and you can see where they literally have removed scripture. In fact, there's one called the NIV. And they have removed scripture. And there's 1,200 errors. Now, I would be problematic with one error. How about you? There's 1,200 that I can show you that they're in error. What makes it worse is the deity of Christ. When they remove the deity of Christ, that's a problem. And in the book of Acts and in chapter 8 and in verse 36 and 37, most scriptures, new writings, have removed verse 37. And this verse 37 is important. And the reason that it's important, the Ethiopian eunuch says, what does hinder me to be baptized? And he says this, he said, if thou believest, thou mayest. And he said this, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then he, both they, went down into the water and he baptized him. Now I want to ask you something. Do you think verse 37 is important or unimportant? If you go look at the NIV, they put verse 36 and verse 38 and they put a note on verse 37. And it says this, better manuscripts don't contain this verse. That's a problem for me. God didn't do anything by accident, amen? And if you're going to get baptized, you need to be saved first, amen? You need to know Jesus Christ. You don't get baptized to be saved. You get baptized because you are saved. And any religion that teaches you that you get baptized to be saved is teaching you a false teaching. 
You need to read your Bible. And so why do I share this with you? Well, are you using the power of God, the Holy One, God's promise to discern a lie from the truth? And so the challenge to us is this. Are you really discerning when it comes to the Scriptures, when you open the Bible? So the promise is a promise of eternal life and an ability to distinguish between what is truth and what is a lie. And we have to uh, have the knowledge that this is true, that there is a spirit of antichrist in the air. It's all around us. If you think it's not so, just watch the news for a few minutes. Watch any Hollywood star that uh, rebukes Jesus Christ, the Savior. The put down of prayer and the foolishness of people believing that God doesn't exist. And yet the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Amen? Isn't that not what the Bible teaches us? And so when we go to the Scriptures, we see here that we have to have a knowledge not only of the Antichrist, the person of, but also Antichrist, which is a spirit of demonic forces that are trying to convince us that God's Word is not true any longer, that we need something better or something else, or we need some new way to get to Christ. And the reality is, is we don't. We need the Scriptures. Now, we have the knowledge of God the Spirit, so we know Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but to deny it, you deny the promise and have a spirit of Antichrist. Before I get into the message, I want to tell you that God actually used this in our life yesterday. There are religions that teach that Jesus has not come yet. That is a lie. If you have someone knock on your door and they come to share with you that Jesus has not come yet, he has come. And the Bible teaches us that he's coming again. Amen? And the wonderful thing was is that my daughter, Emily, and myself stood there and heard my wife talk to these two women, and she quoted Scripture, and they walked away. Because they did not want to hear truth. It bothers people to hear truth. When you open up the Scriptures and you begin to preach to them truth, they back away. They reject truth. Now, I want to tell you something. They're not rejecting you. They are rejecting truth. We don't have to be unkind. My wife wasn't unkind, uh, but she simply shared with them that she believed in Jesus Christ and that he had already come and, and that he is coming again and that she trusted in him to take her soul to heaven for all eternity. And so she was able to share with these people truth from the Bible. Now, I'm sharing with you, you're going to run into all kinds of things. And you're going to run into all kinds of people. And by the way, sincerity is going to take a lot of people to hell. Because you can be sincere and not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. What we need to know is who Jesus Christ really is. And have we as individuals really trusted Jesus to take our soul to heaven when we die? Now when I come to the scriptures, we know Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And to deny that, you deny the promise and have a spirit of Antichrist. So we're to have confidence, confidence and not be ashamed of our faith. Don't be ashamed of your faith. Don't be ashamed of where you stand. Don't be ashamed that you use the King James Bible. Don't be ashamed that you use the Word of God. Don't be ashamed of witnessing for Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of your Savior. In fact, Romans 1.16 teaches us that. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we're not to be ashamed of truth. We need to stick with truth. Now, the saved have an ability to know and understand truth. Well, the Bible speaks of antichrist and antichrists. So there is a person, a human, that's going to be 
come upon by Satan himself. It's not Satan, but Satan will come upon this person, and that person is the Antichrist. But John also speaks to the fact that there is a spirit of Antichrist in the air, that it's all around us. And when we read the Scriptures, we see this to be true. A second truth is this, and that is, is that there's a promise that God gave us. <laughs> and, and, and he gives us the promise of eternal life. And the wonderful thing is, is, if you are saved, you should know you're saved. And the fact that you would know that you're saved is that what God teaches us is when we get saved, he gives us a gift, doesn't he? He gives us the gift of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he gives us his spirit that indwells us. So now we have this spirit in us. Now, in the end, when we stand or he comes and we appear before him, we ought to do it with confidence. We ought to be able to stand before our Savior with great confidence and not be ashamed at his appearing. Why is that? Because you have stuck with truth. You've stuck by it by faith. You've stood by our Savior. You've stood by truth and not be ashamed at his appearing. So look at verses 18 through 20 and he said, Little children, it is the last time. You ought to underline that in your Bible. This is an important phrase in the Scriptures. It is the last time. Now, when you go into the Bible, John's speaking to the saved and referring to us as the children of our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And the subject here is the last time. Now, I'm talking to you about the promise of God, but he talks about the last time. And knowing that the end is drawing near and is now growing in intensity in our day, what's happening is is that when he says it's the last time, he's not saying at this moment is this occurring, but he's saying over time this is going to occur, and it's going to grow in intensity is what's going to happen. And if you believe it not, look around you. Is it not growing in intensity how people feel so comfortable with blaspheming the name of Jesus Christ? It's all around us, and people simply do it without thought even today. I went to a home and knocked on the door and was sharing the gospel with a man. He told me he was saved, and in the very next breath, he cursed using Jesus Christ's name. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's a difficult thing to swallow, to think that a saved man would blaspheme the name of God. Would you agree? <laughs> that's hard to swallow, isn't it? And I do not believe that we would have that kind of a spirit in us, but it would cause us to do something different. It was not that the moment John speaks of is the end but how the spirit of Antichrist is growing continually and increasing in intensity over time. And that's what's happening. It's growing in intensity over time. And we can picture that in the world today. You go knock on doors, and I was knocking on doors in the early 90s. It seemed a whole lot easier to get in people's homes in the early 90s than it is today. And there is that spirit of Antichrist. There's that spirit of, we don't need this. There's this spirit of, I don't get into organized religion. There's that spirit of, I don't need that. And yet, Jesus Christ said, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church, and did what? Gave himself for it. Now, I've had somebody say, you need to know the difference between a noun and a verb. Well, I want you to know this. There is but one Christ, and he died for the local church. Amen? And we are a part of that body. And I want you to understand this truth, that Jesus Christ is in us. Amen? And we make up this body of believers at this local New Testament church. Now, as I think about this, he first refers to that Antichrist, the actual person who will come as the false Christ and begin to reign and, and give false hope. And that is brought up in Revelation, folks. You can go read that on your own time. In Revelation chapter 13, and you go read verses 1 through 10, there is an actual person who is going to be the Antichrist. But 
John goes on and he said that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists. Now what he's saying is, it's not that you've got a bunch of little Antichrists running around here, but in essence you do. You have that spirit, that demonic force that's out there trying to denounce the name of Jesus Christ. How many of you saw that Joy Behar on television? And listen, I'm not angry at these people. We need to pray for these people. They need Christ just like everybody else does. And she said that Mike Pence was nuts because he was praying. I want to tell you what's crazy is not to pray, amen? That's a little bit insane to me that you wouldn't go to your holy creator and pray to him. And the Bible says, does not even creation teach us that there is a creator, amen? It's all around us. It's very clear that he exists. Here, it also indicates a spirit of antichrist, referring to that demonic force. So there is a spirit of ungodliness that prevails. And I want you to think about this for a moment. You consider this right now, how that pornography has grown exponentially in our nation. Would you agree with that? It's all around us. And people do not become uncomfortable with it anymore. In fact, they like to retitle it adult entertainment because it's much easier to say that than it is to say pornography, isn't it? Or that it's sinful actions or uh, that it's lustful actions or that it's that these things that are wrong. We don't like to talk like that because, listen, if we do that, you might hurt people's feelings. And by the way, my preaching probably does hurt people at times. But God told me his word offends. Amen? Amen. And it does, and it's difficult. And here's the thing. We want so many preachers just to come up here and massage our feelings and make us feel better. And God never intended for us just to massage people's feelings and make them feel better. In fact, when he was with the woman at the well, which we just looked at last week, and you were looking at, he was talking about true worshipers, or the week before, he was talking about true worshipers. Did he not confront that woman with her sin? When she said she doesn't have a husband, he said, you have said right. She had more than one husband, didn't she? And the thing of it is, is that preachers are not brought here to massage your feelings and make you feel better and how to deal with how you feel. We need to be living in the realm of truth, not be manipulators of people's emotions and feelings. We need to be dealing in the realm of truth. Now, does Jesus care about my emotions and feelings? Sure he does. But the fact is, is that my emotions and feelings are not going to do anything for me. We need to work in the realm of truth. That's a problem we have today. People don't want to operate off of truth anymore. They want to operate off how they feel. I literally heard this in an interview on television. The Ocasio-Cortez woman said, listen, truth is not as important as about how people feel about it. You want to bet? Truth is not as important as how people feel about it. Truth is important, amen? Amen. Scriptures clearly teach us, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is what? Truth. Truth. (laughs) Well, I want to challenge you with this. There's a spirit of ungodliness that prevails. The work against Jesus and the message of the gospel is growing in force. In Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. There is a spirit of disobedience, isn't there? That spirit is the negative spirit. That's the demonic spirit that he's talking about. And it works in the children of disobedience. But you and I, If you're saved, we ought not walk in disobedience. We ought to walk in truth, amen? We ought to walk in truth and in spirit. Now, John tells us that 
Not everyone that is part of the local assembly of believers is necessarily a member of God's family. <laughs> what? Not everybody that is a member of a local assembly of believers is necessarily a member of God's family. Well, preacher, what's that mean? John was trying to tell him, look, there's some that are with us that departed from us, and they were not of us. They've gone in a different direction. And the reality is, is that we would want to maintain that fellowship with others. We'd want to remain in that spirit. Now, let me give you some evidence for this. You're in 1 John. Look at chapter 3. Look at verse 14. The Bible says in verse 14 of chapter 3 of 1 John, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brethren abideth in what? If you don't love one another, you abideth in how? Now, the word brethren is important because I want you to understand John's talking about saved people, amen? Now, we ought to have a love for lost souls just like Jesus Christ did, but the truth in this is, is that we ought to have a love for the brethren, amen? And so that should be present in us. We should have that love for the brethren. Look at 2 Peter with me, if you will. You're there in 1 John, and uh, just go back a few books to your left and go back, and I want you to see in uh, 2 Peter here. 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, look at verse 3. The Bible says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He says in verse 4, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world, through, uh, in the world through lust. He told us in this particular passage that there's evidence that Christ is in us. One of the things that happens is, is we escape the pollutions of this world. We escape from things. We're pulled away from, and we shouldn't have a desire to go back into those things. Turn to Romans chapter 8 with me real quick. Go back a few more books. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Everybody with me, say amen. amen. Look at verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of what? There's a witness to us, isn't there? Now, I want to tell you something. When I sin, God chastens me. I don't just feel bad. God convicts my heart about what I've done. And conviction is very different from feeling bad. Conviction is this. I see God's standard. I've gone against God's standard. And I know that it was incorrect. I know that it was wrong. And when I did that and did such thing, I should drop to my knees and pray and seek the forgiveness of my heavenly Father. I should drop to my knees and seek God's forgiveness. If we confess our sins, plural, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take an immediate step. Take immediate action when you know you've sinned against God. 
Now, don't use it as a tool with this. And I had a young man tell me one time, he goes, you know, it's easier to, uh, to uh, go and do what I want to do and ask for forgiveness for it later. That is not a way to think. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid that we would do that. So it's easier uh, to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for acceptance of what I want to do. That's wrong. <laughs> we should immediately turn from those things. That is not the spirit of the Lord. That is the spirit of Antichrist leading you down the wrong path. Now, as I share this with you, uh, I look at this, and he tells us that what this is all about is that they want to enjoy fellowship one with another. And I believe the Spirit of God, if He indwells us, if He exists in us, we should want to be together. Why? Because the Spirit wants us to be together. The Spirit of the Lord wants us to be together. He doesn't want, to be us, uh, want us to be separated. He wants us to be together. Now, an evidence of a true Christian life is a desire to be with the people of God. They want to enjoy fellowship. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of counterfeit Christians out there. Counterfeit Christians. People who are not really saved. People who are just being pretentious with God and pretentious with people around them. You say, are you trying to get me to doubt my salvation? Not at all. If you're saved, hey, praise God. Amen. You ought to know. Amen. Shouldn't have any doubt. If God saved you, you should know you're saved. When I look at it, there's counterfeit Christians. He mentions it in 1 John here. In chapter 2, you can go back and read the whole chapter. And he mentions about these counterfeit Christians. Folks that profess one thing and do another. They don't want to remain in fellowship. They do not want to stay with the church. Uh, nor uh, did they stick with truth, but had fallen prey to the spirit of Antichrist. How many of you could raise your hand right now? I remember someone who used to be in church, used to teach Sunday school class, used to drive a bus, used to go soul winning, used to do those things. And not because of sickness or illness, but choice, they've walked away. Now, I want to challenge you on something. And I'm not here to determine whether they're saved or unsaved, but there's a lot of counterfeit Christians out there. They get a fire going and they lose it because they never got it. And the fact is, is that you're either saved or you're not. And there is a spirit of Antichrist that dwell amongst this earth. And it's evident because John said they departed, and they departed from truth and doctrine and involved themselves in varying teachings and against Christ. I want to show you a passage of Scripture that helps you better understand this. Turn to Acts chapter 2 with me, if you will. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. Everybody with me? Say amen. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And here's the next phrase. And they continued. You ought to underline that in your Bible. And they continued. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What the apostles had taught them, they continued in that doctrine, that teaching. They didn't go to some other teaching. They stayed in the same teaching, didn't they? And they continued in the apostles' doctrine. And what's the next phrase? Fellowship. fellowship. And fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in prayers. 
Now, I want you to know something. When you get saved, you're going to want to continue steadfastly in the doctrine which brought you to Christ. And that is the doctrine of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you're going to want to continue in that doctrine. You're not going to go find some other doctrine like Paul spoke of over in Galatians where people were pulled away when they began to preach some other Jesus. We need to preach the Jesus who died on the cross at Calvary, amen? amen. The one who rose from the dead and the one that gives eternal life to those who believe in him. That's the message. So we look at this and we see this and now for you that are saved and part of this body, we have a gift from God that unction from the Holy One, and He provides the ability to know all things. Isn't that wonderful? When you read that, I think, Lord, are you sure about that verse right there? Huh? Because sometimes I don't think I know anything. Anybody with me on that one? <laughs> he said He provides you the ability to know how many things? That you know all things. I think all things that are spiritual. Because <laughs> He's talking about the Spirit, isn't He? You're able to discern between truth and lie, between truth and error between truth and consequences, amen? You're able to see those things, and you're able to see it with a set of eyes, a set of spiritual eyes. Staying in church does not prove or disprove or keep a person's salvation, but staying in church and in fellowship with God's children does prove evidence that a person is truly a Christian. It just does. And if you have no desire to be in church, there's a problem, folks. There's a spiritual problem when you don't want to be in God's house. And here's the thing. God wants us to fellowship one with another. Now, I'm not talking about getting sick and not being able to make it or being in the hospital or having some sort of a disease that's keeping you back. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a sheer conscious decision, I don't want to be there. That's a problem. That is a problem. That is a spiritual problem. Now, if it's possible to show signs of salvation or come close to it, and even pass off some characteristics of being saved as a child of God, but not be saved, that's the spirit of Antichrist. Just passing it off. In fact, Timothy spoke of that as well. And, and, and you see Paul writing to Timothy, and he said they had the form of godliness, but dying of the power thereof from such do what? He said, turn away from those people that are like that, because they're not really interested in Jesus Christ the Lord. <laughs> Could it be possible to show signs of that salvation? So departing from the fellowship of church is a strong indicator that some may be counterfeits and have a, a spiritual or a spirit of antichrist permeating through them. Now, the truth, not everyone that claims the name of Christ is saved, by the way. You say, how could you possibly say that? Not everyone that names the name of Christ is saved. Just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> they need to know Jesus Christ. Now, I want to show you a passage of Scripture. I'm not making this stuff up. I want you to turn to Matthew with me, and I want you to look at this firsthand. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 22 with me. If you're with me, say amen. Matthew chapter 7 and uh, verse 22. The Bible says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Look at this next verse. And then will I profess unto them. What's the phrase, folks? Go ahead and say it. What's it say? 
I never knew you. That's hard to swallow, isn't it? I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work. What? Sin. Not everybody that names the name of Christ is saved. You need to know that you're saved. Now, the devil would love to keep you in a place where you are teetering back and forth, unsure, not sure, maybe, maybe not. But there is a spirit that God gives us, amen? Amen. And there's a spirit of assurance and surety. His name is the Holy Spirit, amen? Amen. And God gives that to us. The truth, not everyone knows. But as believers, a Christian, one who is saved, you have the power of God, the Holy One, to discern the lie from the truth and will not develop or fall prey to the spirit of Antichrist. God gives a gift to the believer and gives assurance. He says in verse 21, here back in John, he says, I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of a truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whoso denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let, us, let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. Now here's what I want to tell you. If what you've heard from the beginning is that Jesus Christ died for you and rose again the third day and you prayed unto Christ, you prayed unto Christ to save your soul, it wasn't the prayer, it's who you prayed to. And that I know that I asked my Savior to reside in me and to give me eternal life, which he possesses, amen? Amen. When he saved me, he provided me with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And now I know I'm saved. I don't have to doubt my salvation. I don't have to doubt whether I'm going to heaven or not. I know that Christ indwelt me at that time. He has given me a part of himself. And so there's this promise of eternal life. Now, those who know Christ know truth, and the truth that John just preached, this will be offensive to counterfeits. This offends people. It offends people to think that one could have died for many. It offends people that his name is Jesus Christ. It offends people that the way to get to heaven is to believe in him and him alone. It offends people that you tell them that. It offends people that God said that the way to get to heaven is through my son, and his son said, I and my father are one. That offends people. It offends people that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That offends people. It offends people when you say you don't have to speak in tongues, and you don't have to get baptized, and you don't have to light candles, and you don't have to do those things. It offends people when you tell them that truth. It offends people whenever you tell them that there is but one way to heaven. There's but one way of salvation. It offends people, and it will offend people. And the fact is, is that the Word of God is offensive because it causes us to move from independent to being dependent upon God the Savior. It changes the focus. Now, as I share that with you, he said, no lies of a truth, and there are many religions, but only one truth. Listen to me. There are many religions, but only one truth truth. Amen. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Are you with me? There are many religions, but one truth. And you say, well, we've got brother and sister that that kind of believe like we do. I didn't say they believe like we do. They believe Jesus Christ. And what people believe about Jesus Christ is the difference between heaven and hell. What they actually believe about Jesus is the difference between heaven and hell. 
And you either believe that he is or you don't believe. And what it is is that he gave us a gift. Now listen, no lies of the truth and there are many religions. And don't fall prey to the lies, folks. Listen, Satan's in that business. Those demonic forces, those teachings of Antichrist are there. In John 8, 44, the Bible says this, and Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees at this time, but the fact is, is this truth holds throughout the Scriptures. He said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And the devil wants you to believe there's another way to get to heaven. The devil wants you to believe there's some other system the devil wants you to believe there's some other alternative way to get there. That's what the devil does. <laughs> and yet Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, who is a liar? But he that denies that Christ, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus said in 845, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. <laughs> I told you the truth, and you just don't believe me. Now, if Jesus was dealing with that, do you think we will? When we go knock on doors, when we go to tell truth to people? We tell them the truth, but they don't believe us. And the thing of it is, is that shouldn't change us to not knock on doors. That shouldn't change us to not share the gospel with people. That should cause us to want to do it even further. So there are many religions, but to know truth, you must know the scriptures. And let truth abide. That word abide is this, to stay, continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain in you. And, and listen, that's only accomplished through Christ. If you're going to endure in your Christian life, you have to stick with truth. You can't go find all these alternative things. And listen, there are people that are pulled away by every wind of doctrine. And James warned us of that. And he said they're just pulled to and fro about everything. And what we have to do is we have to remain in the Scriptures. Let the truth abide. To have the truth is to know the promise that he promised you, and that's eternal life. And listen, a saved person is not doubting. There's no fear arising in us. Doubt creates fear, does it not? And, and, and God doesn't want us to have a spirit of fear. In fact, he tells us just the opposite of that. He has no desire for us to have a spirit of fear. He wants us to have the spirit of truth in us. And when you look at this in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. He's given us something. <laughs> that power is the power of the Holy Ghost which indwells you at salvation. That power comes by God. And he hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but he gave me a spirit of love. And listen, he said, and of a sound mind. That means that I can grasp this, comprehend this, and stay in my right mind about it. <laughs> I don't have a conflict. I know what he taught me. Psalm 85:10. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Amen. The promise of eternal life. The devil wants you to believe a lie. If you trust in Christ as your Savior, listen, heaven is your home. You don't have to do anything else to get there. If you did, the thief would have had to come down off the cross to go get baptized, amen? And if people teach you that you have to get baptized to be saved, they're lying to you. That is not in the Bible. You need to get saved so you go get baptized because you are saved. And by the way, it should happen by immersion, Amen? Because that's what the Bible teaches. It doesn't happen by sprinkling, and it doesn't happen by throwing water on somebody. It happens by immersion. That is the way Jesus did it in Mark. That is the way that Philip did with the Ethiopian eunuch, and that is what he taught the apostles, and we're to continue in the apostles' what? What they taught us. We don't do something else. 
And I want to tell you something. A lot of folks say to me, why are you an independent fundamental Baptist? And why are you so strong on the King James? Do you know nobody told me that I had to study and know just the King James? Do you know that nobody told me I had to be an independent fundamental Baptist? Do you know what happened? God, when I opened his word and I read it, and I went to various churches, by the way, when all these churches... And they were doing all kinds of things. I went to a church one morning, and they played Desperado from the Eagles as their invitational hymn. And I thought, good night, what was that? And I wasn't even saved, and I knew better than that. And the reality is, is what we need is the spirit of truth, amen? We need to know. And so I started studying this book. I started reading this book. Now, I've got plenty of them on my shelf. You can go in and look. People have signed and given me all kinds of Bibles from every denomination you can think of in there, and they want it in sincerity for me to know these truths. I open them, and I read them, and I think, what in the world is this? But when I open this book, and I read this Bible, I know this is the Word of God. He gives me a surety about it. And the thing of it is, the carnal mind can't understand the things of God. But the Spirit will help you understand the promise of eternal life. The devil wants you, as does the spirit of Antichrist, to deceive you and keep you inoperable for God. Believe me, that's exactly what he wants you to do. Well, you need to make more money. <laughs> He'll keep you inoperable for God. Amen? Well, I'll go do this on Sunday rather than be in the house of God on Sunday. And you say, preacher, you, you say... You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, but it'll help you be a much better Christian. Amen? Amen. This place is a hospital, man. And people are sin sick, and we need God. And we need truth preached to us. And people are saved by the foolishness of preaching. Amen? And you say, you sure are a fool, preacher. I've heard you up there for now almost 25 minutes, and you sound like a fool. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd rather be a fool for Christ than a fool for man. Amen? And when I look to the scriptures and I see these truths, I know this. The power of God, the Holy One, the promise to discern the lie from the truth is to avoid doubting faith in Christ. Last is this. Confidence and shame. <laughs> you know, <laughs> these last two verses. And now, little children, abide in him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his, at his coming. Now I want to tell you something. When I started putting this message together, and this is hard for a preacher. I've given you this much of what's in me right now. Can you tell, Brother Chris? You tell my mind's like, blah, 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 right? <laughs> and it's hard to tell you everything that I've studied this week. And the thing of it is, is that there's so much richness in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. You can take a single word and preach on it for a year and not get not, not exhausted. <laughs> And the thing of it is, is that there's so much in here about how we ought to live. And one of the things we ought to have is live by confidence. Amen. The saved should possess a confidence that is provided by the Holy One. And John teaches us that there are others that try to seduce you. <laughs> there's people that try to seduce you. They try to pull you away. The world doesn't want you in the church. In fact, the world's always looking for a way to tax the church more. How many of you saw my post about taxes? Amen. <laughs> I got my federal and state back. I was all excited. I was like, yeah, check this out. And then I got my local taxes. And they took almost more than 30% of my money back. So it went, yeah. 
So now I'm out of money instead of having some money. Amen? And the thing of it is, is that, that the world can't give you confidence. It wants to seduce you. The Antichrist groups rarely try to lead sinners to the false faith. The Antichrist leaders rarely come to sinners and want to lead them to faith. Their faith, their doctrine. What they do is they look for people who are in churches just like this. And they go after those folks. Pull them away, making you inoperable for God. They're looking for to pull you from here. Now, when I think about this, they spend their time trying to convert professing Christians or church members to their own doctrines. The movement of Antichrist is to seduce or to lead astray. 1 Timothy 4.1. Turn there with me real quick. 1 Timothy 4.1. Everybody turn there with me real quick. I'll get you to Casa Lapita in about 10 minutes if you turn there. Amen? Everybody ready to go eat? Maybe it's Cracker Barrel, Jimmy. <laughs> Amen. First Timothy 4.1. Notice this. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Giving heed to what? Go ahead and say it real loud. Giving heed to what? Seducing spirits. Seducing spirits. And doctrines of what? Devils. False teachings, isn't it? And so when you look at the phrase there, he says this. It says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter what? Times. In verse 18 of 1 John, little children, in the last time. It's growing in intensity, isn't it? It's growing in intensity. Now, the Antichrist groups rarely try to lead uh, those to their faith or their doctrine. They try to lead others away. Now, the anointing of the Holy Spirit has come upon you who are saved, and uh, by the Spirit we're able to discern lies and truth. Those truth and consequences things, we're able to discern that. And the Holy Spirit is the one who shows you and me truth, but the devil is the counterfeiter. And he has those deny Christ or to lead them astray. How does he do it? He twists God's word. He did it to Eve in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? He tries to twist God's word. God has not really said, hath he? God has not really said, hath he? Now, I want you to know what God said. You just read it. <laughs> you have someone who teaches you. It says up here in verse 27, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is a truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And, and we're so busy looking for someone to always teach us, and God said that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Now, it doesn't negate the fact of what he taught us in Ephesians, that there are earthly teachers, but you need to take even things I said from the pulpit this morning and read your Bible. You need to open your Bible. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm trying to tell you what the truth is. And you need to open your Bible and read it. I had someone come to me the other day. I said this from the pulpit the other day. I said, listen, Father is not really in the Old Testament. Well, Father's all through the Old Testament, amen? But it has the idea of an ancestry relationship. The New Testament Father is this way. Pater, P-A-T-E-R, Greek word, different than the Hebrew word. It has this idea. And I was so appreciative that they came to me and said, Pastor, you said this. Can you help me with this? And I was grateful to them. And I did show them. I, I told them. I taught them. 
And I said, in Isaiah 63, 16, and I believe it's in, in Psalm, it uses that word and has that idea, but it's still an ancestral word. It's not this relationship. See, he couldn't be our father until the son came and gave himself, amen? Then we're adopted into the family. Then we cry, Abba, what? Now we're able to do it. Now we're able to do it. And the thing is, is he is now our father, isn't he? He's our father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. <laughs> He's now our father. And so in the New Testament, he said, call no man, what? Father, but God alone. <laughs> because it's different than it was in the Old Testament. He's talking about that type of father, that type of relationship. I have an earthly dad, amen? I have an earthly father. But he said, call no man father. He's saying, don't call them this relationship. Are you with me? Because they're not. <laughs> they're this relationship, but they're not this one. And so when I look to the scriptures and I see this, the Holy Spirit is the one who shows us truth. He said in 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4, turn there with me. 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4. Second Corinthians eleven three and four. He said, "But I fear." Everybody with me? Say amen. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. What did he say? Through his subtlety, he'll take away the simplicity of Christ, won't he? He wants to remove that. It's harder than that. It has to be harder than that. It has to be a better way. There has to be more to it than that. There has to be something I must do. There has to be something I must say. There has to be some other way. And the devil wants to take away the simplicity of what? Christ, doesn't he? What Christ did for us. And he says this, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. In other words, the word bear means you're going to suffer with them then. Because you don't have the real deal. <laughs> you don't got the real stuff. <laughs> and you're going to have to suffer because of that. It's going to cause consequences. And listen to me. False teachers are not led by the spirit of truth, but the spirit of error. False teachers are led by a spirit of error. Look with me at 1 John again. Back to 1 John. Look at chapter 4. Look at verse 3. John's still speaking here. Can we all turn there for just a moment? 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. Verse 3 said, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus uh, Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of what, folks? Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the what? It's already here. So when those folks came to the door the other day for my wife and wanted to tell her, we're kind of denying the fact that Jesus came. Oh, we think he might exist, but we're denying the fact that he came. They're denying what God told them, aren't they? They're denying what God said. They're denying that Jesus Christ is the Lord. They're denying the fact of what God told them. And so with that denial, God says that is a spirit of Antichrist, isn't it? That's that demonic force trying to take you away from truth. Now here's the thing. So many people believe that we need to learn everything about everybody else's religion. You know, that is a lie from the pits of hell. You need to spend time learning truth. <laughs> Amen? And, and as you look at truth, you'll be able to identify the counterfeit. And you say, well, unless I know all these religions and I know everything about them and I know all this stuff, I'll, I'll never, ever be able to 
I'm going to tell you what, if you don't learn this book, you'll never ever be able to identify them. And you need to open the scriptures and start identifying false teaching and false teachers. He said there in 1 John 4, 3, uh, he, he made the statement uh, of the fact that there is this spirit of Antichrist. Look at verse 6 in that same book. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We know the difference between the two. When we hear it, we know it's wrong. Amen? So what gives us our confidence and not allowing us to be shamed at the coming or the appearing of Christ? We know truth. We know Jesus Christ is Savior. We're warned against letting any man be our teacher because God has given us the Spirit to teach us. He said in John 14, 26, he said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. God said that the Spirit of God is capable of bringing to your remembrance those things which he has said unto you. How do you know what he said if you have not read? You can't know it. In fact, Jesus even uh, challenged the Pharisees. He said, have you not what? Read. Have you read this? Don't you know what it says? And he challenged them about their reading of the Scriptures. Have you not read this? And so we open it with the Spirit of the Lord. This does not deny the office of a human teacher in the church. It means that under the guidance and the Spirit, you must test the teaching. So to abide or to abideth, that means to remain in fellowship. <laughs> That's what it means. Remain in fellowship. It's really the theme of this letter that John wrote. But as the ones that's born of righteousness are born again, we'll not be ashamed at his coming. We'll be able to stand before him with great confidence. And I say that, we may bow before him in great confidence, amen? amen. But the fact is, is that we'll have confidence because it's him and we know him. And I have no doubt of who he is. Now there is a spirit of Antichrist in the world. There is a man who will become the Antichrist. And he'll welcome all this false teaching. And he's welcoming any people that want to walk into it. But boy, we ought to know the difference between the Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist which exists in this world. We ought to know the promise. The promise is, is that he offers you eternal life and you know that you're saved, that the Holy Spirit reside in you and only you know that. I can't make that happen for you. You have to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And you know what that gives you? Confidence. Not in yourself. Not in the way in which the world teaches confidence. But confidence in a holy, righteous God. 